You're here. I'm so excited. I'm Dr. Nairi, and this is the Share a Meal podcast. Share a Meal breaks the cycle of dieting and labeling foods. It empowers you to use meals to improve your health, well-being, performance, and relationships by practicing sharing a meal. I want you to feel good in your body, reduce stress, improve your performance, and feel deeper connections. With Share a Meal, you get to use food as part of your own self-care regimen. Every single day, incorporate holistic rituals with friends and family around meals that will help improve your physiologic and psychologic health and well-being, resulting in a rewarding journey with food for the rest of your life. Welcome to Share a Meal. All right, so here we are. We are talking to Amanda Sobe. If you guys don't know who she is, I'm going to say, I'm going to give her a brief inter introduction that is like nowhere near comes close to really our whole history together. But Amanda is the US world, uh, US ranked number one women's squash player, the only one to reach this ranking and number five in the world Again, the only American to ever reach this high of a ranking in the game of squash. I met Amanda, I want to say what? Seven November 2017. Yeah, a historical moment in her life, terribly, because she had torn her Achilles. And it was a rehab-like situation for the two of us to meet. And I didn't really know that I was in an interview, but I was in an interview and um, I found out later that Amanda liked me. So that is why we started working together. And I gotta say our relationship has completely evolved and I have learned so much about the game of squash. I mean, I'm completely intrigued by it because it takes beyond the physical aspect of it, just the mental strategy is incredible. So welcome, Amanda. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks. Yeah, I'm glad that I could finally come on the podcast. I know it's been, uh, it's taken some time with our schedule syncing up. I mean, you're the busy one. You've yeah. been traveling like like nobody's business. Tell me about your last three trips away. What where where would you go? Um, so actually, like I was have basically been on the road nonstop from end of March. Our season is from beginning of September until mid June. I unfortunately, due to my like very unsustainable travel schedule and tournaments and just constantly being on the go, my I um unfortunately got injured in my adductor um a couple weeks ago and had to withdraw for my last couple of events which is unfortunate but it's actually allowed me to go home and rest um, which I haven't done in months so I think uh everything happens for a reason and this ended up being a positive thing so yeah yeah which gives me time to now be on the podcast thank goodness so I'm grateful for that even though I'm not really happy about your physical state right now, but that happens. I mean, it's like too much, too much travel, too much training, but you did amazing this year, right? Yeah. So what it's was been, your, it's what been was your biggest accomplishment? Tell everybody this year. It's been a really good season. Um, you know, I kind of, um, 
mid-season moved down to Florida to work with my um, coach down there. So it's been a lot of change, but I think the last couple months I've beaten players in the top three in the world um, and been getting to the semifinals of major events and um, outside of the top three players who have all beaten each other. I'm the only player outside of the top three that have beaten anyone in the top three. So um, it's a lot of positive stuff. And I, I think it's really like there's a lot of positives going into next season, which would be nice. So Amanda, you've come out a lot about like your struggles with food in the past and have really been a really key component in awareness of, of this, especially in the sports world. And I think that that takes a lot of guts to do, right? I mean, it, it's not yeah. easy to do, but like kind of digging a little bit in, into that area and and more I should say like things that make you feel better in that area of um I'll, I'll say like we'll, we'll call it you know I don't know what do you what do you what do you want to call your struggles with food um I mean my struggles eating ordered disordered eating eating disorder like I mean I was never fully diagnosed um cuz I didn't see anybody professionally apart from working with you as <laughs> as my dietitian yeah um, but I mean it doesn't really take a a genius to realize that I struggled with bulimia and binge eating disorder for probably years that I hid from everybody and yeah, kind of never saw anybody professionally to combat in like on the therapy side of things, but between like working with you, my sports psychologist over the years, and then also just like educating myself and understanding it and trial and error and everything throughout the years, like it got better and better. And thankfully I'm kind of, um, uh, free from it. So, yeah. So it's been a, been a, a huge, huge accomplishment, huge yeah. accomplishment. So it's been and, a uh, process for sure. And then I felt like I was at a place where I was ready to share my story because I knew that I wasn't the only one who was going through this. And I wanted to be able to kind of show people that they're not alone and hopefully kind of give comfort and others who are struggling and, and talk about these things that a lot of like athletes and people in general don't talk about. Don't talk about. Yeah. So I, I know like one of the things that we worked on, um, this came later stages of our relationship. So I, I think that we're, we're going to start here though, because we both feel so good about this topic. But one of the things that we implemented because of the kind of like ups and downs that you experienced after a win or a loss, and, and that was a real like struggle, right? Like, what do you do after a win or a yeah. loss? And you went through a lot of different like ways to deal. And one of them was to binge eat, right? Because you were feeling low or binge eat because you were feeling high, you know? So, yeah. so what, what, let's talk, let's talk to everybody about like how, how we uh, kind of dug deeper into that. Yeah. So I, um, it almost became a habit after um, every tournament, it would follow regardless of kind of the, whether I won or lost a lot, of, like majority of the times when I lost, it would follow with a binge and a purge. Um, just because dealing with the emotions, I didn't know how to like 
cope with the losses and the lows of it all. And so I um, went to food for comfort. And I like, I, and I just felt even worse after that, you know, in the moment, obviously like you feel good, um, you enjoy the food. And then immediately after you have the shame, the guilt, like all of that. Um, and I knew that this was something that I was struggling with. I just really disliked it, but I was kind of stuck in this cycle. Um, and so when I talked to you about it, and alluded to the fact that like, you know, after tournaments, I would always like go and binge and I just didn't want to do it. So we had to almost come up with a, like a post-tournament day of flexibility in terms of eating and what I like, what would make me feel good, like, and nourish my body. Um, my mind would feel better instead of just constantly coping on the emotional side with just going immediately to food. Yeah. So what do we do? So I, I mean, I obviously felt comfortable telling you just like, I would always want to go for like baked goods like that. I love dessert. So I would just go for that. Um, Which is okay. What is your favorite dessert since we're on it? I, I love cookies, like anything, but I would just go like wherever I was in the world, I would just want to go find like any sort of bakeries, try things like cookies, brownies. Oh my God. That's my my go-to. And what I liked is that you didn't say, no, we can't have that. It was like, okay, we're going to have my like dessert, but choose like one, you know, go to a place, pick out, like if you're, I've been eyeballing like a dessert shop for the whole tournament week and I can't wait to go yeah 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 go pick out like your one baked good your cookie your brownie whatever and sit with it and enjoy it like just enjoy eating out yeah and have like almost associate it with like the happiness of being able to enjoy this food that I've been wanting yeah and then I, mean, I, I believe in that. Obviously, we were talking about it because I, I truly do believe in it. But then to see that you really embrace this and, and you know, that's a huge shift because yeah. the way that you were doing it previously was more like buy as many as you can, bring these back to your hotel room and then like not really enjoy it, just kind of yeah. like devour it without the enjoyment factor yeah. being associated with it. Exactly. But how did that change the, the, the sitting with it, the mindfulness of it? Because I, I mean, I like to say that it is, it, it is being mindful and, and that changes the way that your brain accepts what you're eating. Yeah. So I think the big thing was like the connotations that I associated with like this baked good, whereas before it was like, okay, this is bad. I need to eat in isolation, like in private. So no one has to see this. So no one has to shame me for eating this bad food. Um, And after that, I'd feel guilty. I'd feel ashamed. Like, oh my God, I need to burn this off. Like all that stuff that comes with labeling foods good and bad. Whereas now I would sit with it, like eat it at the store in public or whatever. Like really enjoy it. Just be happy about like this bake this cookie that I'm about to eat and eat it slowly like really be present for it like yeah. be 
like have this cookie almost like bring me enjoyment and happiness because I'm like, yes, I love this. And like, this is so good. And I'm enjoying eating this. Embrace it, baby. That's what it's all about. Embrace it. Don't feel that isolation, the shame that goes along with it because now it became more of your own decision. It, before it was like an out of control type mm-hmm. of a uh, reaction. Now yeah. it's a, a controlled decision and you get to control that decision and you get to pick what your favorite dessert is for that day. And you get to really just be with it. I mean, doesn't it taste so much better when yeah. you're like sitting with it? It tastes so much better. And also because I'm present with it, I'm, I became a lot more in tune with how this made my body feel. And so it wasn't before I would just kind of not be present, like wolf it down because I didn't want anyone knowing. Yeah. And then I would just kind of feel like sick to my stomach. Whereas here I could actually stop when I felt satisfied. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I need to eat this whole thing. It was yeah. like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this cookie. And it say I eat like three quarters of it and I'm satiated or like satisfied, then I'm good. And, and, and say one day you're like really exhausted and you know, you played like a really hard game and you want to, would you have done it? hundred percent. I would have yeah. gotten two and I would have enjoyed it. And I would have yeah. felt zero shame. And I think it's the the like the feeling the negative feelings that come after it which totally like shifted for me yeah yeah well I mean we call that her happiness day her happiness meal and 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 it is and it's just that brain shift of going from exactly what you're saying like the shame of it the hiding of it and turning it into a celebration because that's really what it really was. It was the end of a tournament. Like you want to celebrate in some way. And I mean, not that I always love having food associated with celebrations. We did other celebrations as well, not just food celebrations. So it's just kind of like part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I got to tell you, like, this wasn't where we started with Amanda. Like, this oh, is, no we didn't way. start with happiness meals. Like, this is like the end. This is like the top of her pyramid. Like, we yeah. had already gone through so many other things to get her to where she was to be able to embrace that happiness meal. Uh, because, you know, you don't just kind of jump into that. We actually started with the introduction of carbohydrates back into her diet and that's where it all started (laughs) I was gonna say I was like we started when you first when you introduced me to carbs and uh got me to realize that carbs are my friend yes when carbs are her friend yeah that was really how it all started and like people don't recognize that and and really it's not just that carbs are your friend it's really like that you need them in your diet especially as an athlete and it it removes again, elimination. It removes again, like the, you're, I'm not allowed to eat this. That is a bad food. We definitely removed all food labels, I think, during our yeah. whole time together. Food labels removed, eating foods that fit um, around performance times, around training, making sure that the timing was all there, which led us to create a, food calendar really 
is where it all started. Right? We started in 2017 and I still use it today. <laughs> I, I know what Amanda Sobe eats every single day of her life since 2017. Who wants a copy of this? It's going to be like on a New York Times bestseller. Everything mm -hmm. Amanda Sobe has eaten for uh, what? Lots of years. Yeah. Years yeah. So, so 2017 and, and, and like we, we perfected that, that, but it was, it was a shared calendar. The two of us would use it in Excel file and it started with adding carbohydrates and putting the carbohydrates in the places that would maximize her training potential. So once we were able to add those carbohydrates in, then we'd go back and see other foods and then do full evaluations of weeks to make sure all of the nutrients were there as well in a week. But tell us a little bit about how, because before that, Amanda, everything was kind of haphazard right? Yeah. Like when you would eat, how you would eat, where you were eating. So let's talk about how the really putting together that, that shared file calendar changed you and also like seeped into other parts of your life. Yeah, absolutely. So this calendar, first of all, has like my entire life schedule on it from like my training to my meetings to like my appointments to like if I were to go my social activities. So it was it, you got to see everything that I was doing, which was great because we got to create a very realistic kind of meal structure for me. It wasn't like, oh, Whereas my mind go before I met you was so black and white, where it's like, you know, I need to eat very strict, no carbs, all of that, no desserts, like lay off the sugar, et cetera. And then if I fell off the wagon, which I did because it's the most unsustainable thing, then it would be, then we'd just throw it in the towel and be like, well, screw it. Like, you know, I've already, um, like I've already fallen off the wagon, might as well just go and like binge and enjoy and everything. And I'll start back on like the week. I'll start back Monday morning or whatever. Yep. Totally um, normal, yeah. totally normal response. Yep. Yeah. So you got to, with this calendar one, it was when I had social activities, which is great. It was like, okay, what's realistic here? Like you're going to go out to dinner. Let's look at the menu. Let's try and find a good option for you. So I came prepared. Whereas, you know, if you go out to dinner or sometimes I'll uh, avoid social activities because it's like, oh, this doesn't like fit my strict diet that I'm trying to do. Um, or I don't know how to cope with kind of like food out of what I'm allowed to eat or like the good food or bad food. Um, yeah. So there's just so much restriction on food that I would, Put. And then when we started using this calendar, it became a lot more sustainable in the sense of you were able to like open my eyes on eating food, like everything in moderation and allowing this like food freedom for me, where it's like, okay, I can go and like have pasta, but it's like, okay, portion size, like, what is this? Like carbohydrates, this is how much like a portion is for you. And so it was like, oh, wow, I can actually enjoy all these foods in moderation. I just love hearing this because like you were so good at totally embracing this, which was not easy for you. I know that no. it wasn't, 
but you didn't let me believe that. You did not get me, you did not at all like let me see that intense hesitation that you had from our very first meeting when I told you that we don't really have time here, right? Yeah, no, you said we have, we don't have time to get to know each other. You're just going to have to trust me. And I was like, well, I was like, all right. <laughs> it worked out in the end. <laughs> yeah, you didn't, you didn't give me any time to like think it through. And I was like, okay, we're going straight in. So we jumped straight in and we started adding carbohydrates, but we did go slow. We mm -hmm. did go slow and we did structure things around your training. And like you said, really planning planning for you to go out because gosh, who doesn't want to go somewhere because yeah. food is going to be there. Like what a horrible way to live. Like we want to live with food. Yeah. So you were able to go to these places and not have to do what so many people are told to do. Eat before you go. Make sure you're drinking a lot of water. Like, no, I'm going yeah. out so that I can eat with these people. Like, you don't want to be the person who's not eating. You want to learn how to eat appropriately. And it all comes down to portion sizes. So once you learn these portion sizes, which we're not going to get into that here, but right now yeah. what we call them our clicks. And she really just like, understood what carbohydrate clicks are and what counts as a click. And we would monitor the clicks around all of these events and manipulate them. So yes. that like, if you were going to an event and you knew that there was going to be great food there, we could on a weekend shift those clicks so that you could have more at an event or at dinner or out with friends than, you know, other parts of the day which is easy on the weekends because you didn't have training. Otherwise it was really all around, all around your training. It's how the, and, it was, and the thing that was really interesting was the, how my schedule shifted when I was in training, how my nutrition schedule shifted versus in, in training versus when I was at tournaments. So when I was at tournaments, I obviously need to perform and I need carbohydrates to perform. So the carbohydrate needs like went up. And that was the like main priority and main priority. So, so that is really what her schedule was all about. So Amanda, like what we would do is taper at the beginning of the week, carbohydrates and build up to tournament time so that at tournament, she was meeting all the carbohydrate needs that she needed because, you know, she didn't know how long each match was going to last, or you didn't know how long or how many days you were going to be in the tournament. So you have to prepare to imagine longer matches and what length of stay all the way, all the yeah. way to the end. Yeah. And, and being able to perform for uh, five days straight. So, and having the energy to do that. Yeah. Which was definitely lacking in the beginning. And I think that the biggest shift there was also again, what came down to your calendar was preparation, mm -hmm. having the foods there with you, making sure your hotel room, you had stuff in it so that you weren't ever hungry. You stayed on a routine. Like a lot of some of the things that we did for you was make sure that your post-training or post-game uh, was going to be the same thing, what yeah. you carried with you. Um, you always have your peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. So You're yeah, I always had our my pre-match meal, which to the day stays the same and yeah, works. 
and you are pretty consistent, not only with that, but also your breakfast, eggs and toast. Yep. Yeah. Eggs and toast for breakfast and also your nighttime routine. Yes. Very, we had very little um, changes in that. So your bedtime routine was always what you liked, honey in your tea, yeah. some sort of something else that maybe went like with a, it. Like a biscuit or something. Yeah. Or but like now, little, yeah, the things heard. that you also thought were off limits. Yes. We went through a phase of um, cake in a mug. Oh yeah, mug cakes. Yeah. 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 So like there, everything is adaptable, but the structure of that calendar really opened your eyes up to, I think, to knowing that you could, you can move things around to fit into your lifestyle. And it really wasn't, it was more about the portion sizes than, than anything else to really make you get to where you needed to be. Yeah, portion sizes. And then in terms of like training to perform, it was uh, timings of when I ate as well. Timing, really, timing, yeah. Really interesting. Yeah, the timing was 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 huge. And like, you know, even some of those days where you would have multiple, multiple practices, uh, whether it be, you know, fitness and shadowing or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, but a I would lot, sometimes train like three times a day. And so being able to eat in between those sessions and fuel and make sure that I had the energy to actually perform in those sessions. I think one of the biggest things that you could probably pass down to younger squash players, I don't know, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I would say is be prepared. Always have food with you. Don't wait to the last minute to be hungry and yeah. then go walking outside of the hotel to find something because that just leads to a disaster. Tell me what you think. 100%. I always tell people that if anyone asks me what I carry in my squash bag at all time, it's snacks. Yeah. I always have food on me because there's nothing worse than when you're in the middle of a training session and you're starting to get hungry and then you can't, your entire session just goes down the tubes and you bonk out because you don't have any energy. Totally. And you can't bonk out because you don't have any energy with something that's like such an easy thing to do, an easy fix. Mm -hmm. It really is an easy fix. So we transitioned you from, I'm just looking at some of our notes there, but we transitioned you from going from this incredibly strict diet to really what we like to call you and me, food freedom. Yes. And, and food freedom, when I say that, it doesn't mean like eat everything that you want whenever you want. It is not, I am not a fan of intuitive eating because yeah. our intuition like drives us in the wrong direction. And, 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 and it gets a lot of like blame. Like I can be like, oh, I intuitively need a pint of Haagen-Dazs, right? <laughs> like, like the next thing you know, I'm blaming everything on intuition, but truthfully, it's more like mindfulness. Like and, mindful science. Ah, oh, you know, you're brilliant. Did you go to Harvard or something? I, I don't know. <laughs> Long time ago. <laughs> tell us, tell, tell me what that means to you. Mindful science. So you know, it does have the intuitive aspect of it, but you're in in tune with kind of your body's needs um, and and mind, like what your body needs to nourish and like feel good and like well-being and everything. 
Um, but the science aspect is there are specifics of like you, especially as an athlete, like you need a certain amount of like carbohydrates and timings during the day and, and protein needs and like just food requirements in order you, in order for you to kind of sustain, perform, like increase performance, uh, meet whatever kind of goal that you're trying to achieve as an athlete, there's a science behind the nutrition aspect, but also you do want to be in tune with kind of what you're eating, the food in front of you, your body, how is it feeling with these foods? And that's kind of how we're able to make the adjust the adjustments because we have the data and the facts with my calendar and the portion size at the timings, what I'm eating. But then after the week, we can, we can, we check in and we're always like, okay, well, how did I feel? How was my performance? And it was like, okay, I felt really good, but midway, midweek, I would have really low energy and just have a dip in performance and I was exhausted. So that means that there's something that needs to change there. Yeah. And we did it. We made those adjustments weekly weekly check-in with adjustments and and like you said we had the food record we saw there were times that we would dive into what you were eating and pick out the nutrients that were lacking and how to get some of those nutrients back into your diet different times of the year where we would look at vitamin supplementation if it was like you know a long winter and we were maybe thinking about some vitamin d or whatever it might have been um and you know i feel like We really also, one thing that you could talk about is kind of like your shift in body composition, because we watched this happen in front of our eyes with doing a DEXA scan. And one of your biggest fears, most people's fears with starting to add, and when, and I got to say, we started really slow with you, Amanda, carbohydrates, but there is a science behind how many carbohydrates you need in a day not as an athlete or not even as an athlete, but then also how to time those around your training. And, you know, we started out at a very low level on purpose because we don't, I didn't want to like introduce you to this whole new world of carbohydrates and then you feel overwhelmed with it. Yes. But we went slow and we would do our weekly check-ins, but we also followed it up with doing DEXA scan. So a DEXA scan is a full body composition scan and it measures the amount of um, lean body mass and also fat mass in all parts of your body. So we could see like on her right arm, left arm, core, left leg, right leg, how much muscle there was, where the muscle was uh, and how much uh, body fat there was in each of those zones. And this is a place where like you were super apprehensive about eating the carbohydrates because that was going to then increase your body fat stores is what you were thinking and tell us about your transitions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ever like so many times you just hear, oh, carbohydrates are going to make you fat. So lay off of them when in fact, it actually did the opposite for me, um, and as I kept working with you and we did a DEXA scan, I think once every maybe like six to seven months, um, it, my body fat mass, uh, decreased a ton and my, my muscle mass, actually it, it stayed the same. It never dropped, which is great because when you're trying to lose weight, a lot of times like your muscle goes, 
Um, and so my muscle mass stayed the same, but it shifted. So I increased like a ton of muscle mass in my core, my legs, like decreased in it just my whole body composition kind of revamped. And with your injury, we got to see the growth of your muscle in your calf. Yeah, my left, yeah my left leg. Yes, over time, which is where we wanted to also see. So this is also how that fits in with working with your physios, working with your strength coaches, like to know that those are the places that you need to be focusing on. And, and we could actually measure that growth in those areas. But yeah, so you were losing body fat, you're losing weight, which yeah. it was kind of one of your goals at the beginning after coming off of injury, but maintaining lean body mass. So like that was the most important factor in all of this, maintaining muscle and muscle did start to then increase also later, yeah. later, but the very first stages was that phase alone. And I mean, looking at your transformation over these years is really just, it's, it's fascinating. And I have to say your carbohydrate intakes have only gone up. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Now when I'm at, at tournaments, uh, I'll just go, I'll be like, okay, yeah, I want a bagel, which like years ago, it would never happen. Never have happened. And now you're off. So we're, we're bringing it back down, right? Yes. Now, now that she's off, but she gets a little bit of a transition, a little bit of time to, to enjoy the time off. You are in a beautiful place right now with your mom, like enjoying life. It looks so pretty outside. So like, I want you to enjoy that. And I know that you need a couple of white claws right now too. So it's okay. There's, there's like that. There's a time and there's a time and place for everything. And this is my, uh, couple of weeks, but the, the good thing is that after all the work that we've been doing is I have the food freedom mindset and, you know, I, I don't feel that kind of hesitation of the fact that just because I'm done with my season one, it's not like a, a free for all blowout for me. It's, and also at the same time, it's not a, I must restrict because I'm not, I'm not training. It's very kind of, this is where the mindfulness work comes in. And I still have my calendar. I just, just to be able to like, see what's happening. And, um, and so the mindfulness part is more about, I get to kind of fuel my body, what nourishes and like makes me feel good uh, or like makes my well being feel like nourished and happy and like healthy and all of that stuff. And, you know, sometimes it is like, I want an ice cream. I can have like half of it now, like half of it the next day. Um, yes. Not going anywhere. And it's other not times, going anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And other times I just want like some nice greens and protein and all of that because like, you know, I enjoy like feeling good when my body feels good. Like I'm a better human being. And so yeah. it's, yeah. So all the work that we've done has allowed like my mind to just be a lot more free when it comes to food. <laughs> I, and that's what we were all meant to be, really. Not all this diet, not all of this restriction. It really is meant to be, and that's what Share a Meal is about, living alongside food. Like food should not dominate your life and your life's decisions. Food has to adapt to your schedule. You know what I mean? And so like, and you, you have needs. Like who doesn't want some ice cream sometimes? 
but it totally takes away that all or nothing mentality. Like I have ice cream in front of me. I better eat all of it because then tomorrow I can't eat any of it. And then if I eat it all right now, then for two weeks, I cannot touch it again. Yes. Like, where did this come from? You know, it's kind of like, why? Why can't you just have a little bit every day if you want it? And if you don't, you don't have to. I don't know. That's, I mean, that is truly what the theory of share a meal comes back to, which is really the evolution of food because that's how it was. We changed this. We made food bad. And then we got to get out of that because it doesn't help anybody. It just, it just, you know, feeds eating disorders that could be there or that people who have like, you know, any kind of tendency towards it, that it just exemplifies it or exacerbates it, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. So Amanda, who's come full circle, who now I don't even need to talk to about uh, carb clicks, but we still do have check-ins at tournaments, especially super hot ones, like when you're in Egypt and, uh, you know, and, and I think every once in a while you still like to like me to like give you a little bit of a tweak in what you're doing. Always. I mean, there's always, even, even with being where I'm at, like five in the world, like there's always tiny little tweaks that we can make to make those marginal gains. Cause when you're at the top, like it's coming down to the fine details to just get 1% better across all aspects. And so, yeah, if I can get better in the nutrition aspects and, and kind of make some gains there, then yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because when you are at the top, every little percentage matters. Yes. She knows that. And that is so true. Every little percentage matters. And quite frankly, Amanda, isn't the food portion of getting gains so much easier than like the training portion? Because you do that all the time. That's kind of hard to get even better than you are training wise. But if you can do a little bit more with food, you're really in a good place. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you want to add here? I think we've covered everything. Yeah. You well, know, it's if you been want to know more great. about squash, yeah. definitely follow Amanda at It's Sobe Time. So Twitter is at It's Sobe Time. Um, and Instagram is at A Sobe 93. Okay. And anyway, I'll post this up there and tag her so you can like definitely follow on, on those, on those. Amanda, I love talking to you. It's so easy. We could talk forever. We could talk forever about my evolution. (laughs) We have so much more to talk about after this still, but we're going to like wrap up the food portion of it. But I just want to thank you so much for being on this and for being here and for being such like a great athlete and just a big advocate of nutrition. It means a lot. Thank you, Nairi. It's because I've had a great teacher. So thank you. All right, I'll talk to you. Bye.